0: Montreal. Around the world. Jeremy White
1: Podcast
0: with Bistan for the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal. It's got to be Bistan. Visit Bistan.ca and LoudTracks.com, helping fans connect to their favorite artists. 100% high quality, officially licensed band merchandise that supports the artists you love. Visit our official band merch store at LoudTracks.com now. The Jeremy White Podcast. Ooh. By the way, let me just say, how do I say your first name properly? Is it Aaron? Is it Aeron? Aeron. Okay. See, I- I'm from a Native Reservation. I'm a Mohawk, and my traditional Mohawk name is Wanahawe. So, oh. when, I was, when I was in <laughs> high school, Sagawanahawe. 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 So when I was in high school, I went to a white high school, and uh, everybody always shortened it to Saggo. And they all had to, like, or somebody would say Sago or Sago or, like, nobody could ever get it. So I know what it's like to have like a weird kind of, like, pronunciation of a name, you oh, know?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when it's close to Aaron as mine is, so, you know. <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. I mean, King Peel made me famous. <laughs> you
0: know, no, Aaron's a cool name, oh, is yeah you know? So, Aaron. Yep. Eron, that's awesome. All right. Well, we're recording. We'll get right into it. My I next guest it. is a really cool, exciting new artist. He signed a big machine, John Vervedo's records. His new album's in the works. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Plus, his new singles, Take Me Away. The Boys from Puget Sound available now. Making waves on radio across North America, by the way. Like, you know, you're going like top 10 or something like that very soon with yeah. these songs and like you know it's all exciting welcome yeah, to the man. show aaron jones there he is What's up, man?
1: good to see you good to see you. it's good to be here good to
0: see you. it's good to meet you man um you know i was just reading up a little bit about you first of all i i discovered you through the music which is probably the best way to discover somebody
1: awesome man that's, that's the way i like it you know
0: yeah uh, so talking about your songs um you know take me away were you a big michael jackson fan growing up
1: huge. oh huge michael jackson fan yeah that was that was my jam you
0: know because i i get such a king of pop vibe from that vocal performance in that song and nobody really talks about how bluesy the king of pop's voice really was
1: yeah it's ironic because he, he came from motown <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know so, exactly yeah, he, but he was—you know—the cool thing that I loved about Michael Jackson was that even though he he did come from this like Motown background, this blues background, he he touched on all of it, which is why you know they dubbed him the King of Pop is because he, you know, yeah. to me, pop is 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 a an all-encompassing genre, you know. You got you've got elements from different genres that are all blurred together, you know, mm-hmm. and so with uh with Michael Jackson, especially with that that uh, the Bad album, you know, what I mean, like that that dude, dude that's thing
0: is, what I was you, saying. You you listen to like. Uh take me away and it's like i get such dirty diana vibes from it
1: yeah yeah it, it was inspired by dirty diana man that that riff was inspired by dirty diana so like that's, that's really that kind of originally had come from it was inspired by uh that and then my, my love of uh dr dre right you listen to that little that that vocal riff going into uh the mm-hmm. second verse that, that came right. from uh, from california love you know yeah So i'm like i'm like drop these little goose eggs you know throughout the music just to kind of tell you where i came from but yeah definitely dirty, dirty diana was a huge influence on that uh, and vocally as a kid, I hated it. man. As a kid, people would be like, You sound like Michael Jackson, you sound like Michael Jackson, which is is um is why like is that an how-
0: insult? That would be an insult to me. I'd be like, Thank you. It's,
1: it's an insult when when that person is still alive. It means you're trying to be like them, mm-hmm. you know. And and mm-hmm. so after Michael Jackson died and years have gone past now, it's not it's not such an insult anymore to be, you know, kind of compared to my people know that's an influence now as opposed to you trying to copy someone. You dig what I'm saying? So yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you know, that's it. It's like at the end of the day as artists you just kind of want to take all of your influences and it's it's like you know your own music is a culmination of everything that you've been influenced by and yeah. if you can express a lot of that in your own music that's the biggest kudos it's the it's the biggest tip of the hat you can give to the people that influenced you growing up
1: you know Absolutely man absolutely that's the that's the, the 100% truth and uh, it took me a long time to to learn that uh, to realize that and uh you know and and once I did it all kind of clicked and I think that's that's a lot of what helped me put my music together to get signed by a major, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Growing up, you know, you were talking about the Michael Jackson influence and I know you worked with Sir Mix a lot and stuff, but growing up in the Seattle kind of like scene, were you influenced by like any of the grunge stuff going up uh, or
1: percent You can't it was impossible to, to grow up here and not be. You know what I mean? Like that was our, our school dances were were, were grunge music in middle school. And, yeah. <laughs> and like were so. you
0: into like, you know, like mud honey and stuff like that or
1: I was uh, I was into Mudhoney. I was I was more definitely more into Nirvana because you know I'm, I'm just a kid here in the Pacific Northwest, and so whoever was yeah. po- the most popular at the time was really what was in our ears. But we heard it all, man. I mean, from Mudhoney to to Soundgarden to Mother Love Bone to to Pearl Jam to you know you name it. I mean the gr- grunge was huge, and, and even beyond grunge. I mean you know I grew up in a neighborhood that my that uh, that Jimmy Hendrix came from. You know what I mean? So. Mm. Like, Jimmy's influence, uh, I think, in the music world is 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 felt all over. Um, but I don't know if people realize the impact that he had, particularly in Seattle, but in the neighborhood that I came from in Seattle and uh, mm-hmm. the kind of guitar. What's the, what's the neighborhood town? called? It's called the Central District. Central District. Yeah, so we call it, or just the CD. Mm. And so growing up in the, in the CD, man, you know, you, you you heard stories of Jimmy, man. You had you, you had cats trying to be like Jimmy, man. He was like a hero. Where, where we, I mean, he was a guitar hero around the world, right? Right. But when it came to where I came from, he was a local hero. He was the guy that that cats looked up to and tried to get out the hood and tried to overcome the hardships. And and you know, he was he was like our 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 you know our football player, our our basketball star. That was our, our guy, man. You know? <laughs>
0: Well, to be fair, I mean it's Jimi Hendrix. You, you can't Absolutely. have a better, you know. There's a, there's yeah. a, so, as a guitar player, is I guess he would be like your biggest influence then.
1: Definitely, I and, I and I don't know. So here's the thing about it. So definitely, he's definitely a huge influence, and mainly in the way that he played guitar um, was uh, he uses this hybrid style of playing, which is kind of more taking a piano, almost like a um, a pianist approach to uh, to the guitar, you know, which is playing the chords and the solos at the same time. Right. Um, so I'm going to show you my, my my grip here is like this claw hybrid grip where my
0: thumb. Is very. Around. It looks like Hendrix. That looks Hendrixy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's a very. Like my my I you know these, these two fingers these are my, this is my capo here and these these three fingers are, are allowed to to do whatever within the chord you know but mm. um, because of that like I I, I was obsessed with three piece bands. Um, and, and, and when you have a three piece band, you have to kind of cover all of this, this territory at once. And like, you have a backup guitar player, so you need to learn how to play, be able to play the solo and the chords at the same time. And so, um, I think that he was such a pioneer in that style that I just quickly adapted to it. So, um, that was highly influential from that aspect, but also just, just the fact that he, he came from the neighborhood. I think a lot of things that I didn't realize growing up was how influential he was on to to me, just in, in the proximity, you know, without without just directly going into his music, but just being around the the environment and the energy that he was encompassed by growing up, you
0: know? No, totally. And like, you know, you're talking about three-piece bands and, you know, trying to fill the sound with just you and two other guys. You know, Van Halen was sort of the same kind of thing. You know, everybody talks about Eddie Van Halen and his, you know, legendary lead playing, but oftentimes gets sort of, neglected for his rhythm playing you know coming up in the in the scene you know playing all the clubs and doing all those covers you know he had to play all of those rhythm parts and solo at the same time and fill out the sound and you know that was a big part so guitar players that do come from three-piece bands and are trying to cover all those things a lot of the time they're way more proficient than the actual wanker solo guitar players because your basis is in rhythm so yeah
1: yeah exactly man it's and it's like learning how to cover all that space and like especially when a three-piece band, I remember talking to my bass player about, about how we were going to cover all this space. And like, if, if I'm playing low, you can't play low. If I'm playing high, <laughs> you can't play high, bro. You know what I'm trying to say? If I'm playing these notes up here, you got somebody to cover me back here. If I'm playing yeah. this here, you got to cover this rhythm here. So, you know, I think that um my, you know, and, and, and all this same way, I mean, a lot of the, the documentaries and a lot of the biographies that, that you'll you'll read and documentaries you'll see, they will talk about how some of the most proficient and some of the, the, the biggest musicians, most influential cats of all time, um, they started out doing covers in the, Clubs and doing all that, so I think a lot of that attrition um, and a lot of the stuff that I learned early on in, in, in the in the coffee shops, in in the the, the you know three piece band, in the blues club, you know playing the right. three hour gigs, you know all of that. That was all teaching me how how to you know put a song together. And not only that, like you know when you're covering hit music, when you're covering music that is timeless, you are picking up uh, intrinsically just picking up what makes that music great you know in terms of arrangement yeah. in terms of, of vocals and all, all these things and those are all i mean i, I much, re- much read something about how the beatles that's why their their music was so great it was because they were already covering a bunch of different motown pop music
0: yeah uh, i mean there's, and there's no better education music. in music to go into the clubs and play all those legendary songs
1: like it it's, it's the yeah, best you, school of music you'd ever go to and then you take that and apply it to to your original stuff and, yeah. and over time, what you, you'll see is that person will start to blossom and, and the things that they learned playing these covers are now being applied to their own original material. And somehow these two worlds are colliding and, you know, it just takes a bit of luck and magic. And there you go. you know.
0: Yeah. So that's why, you know, I was saying, you know, the king of pop kind of vocal performance. And then you got the gritty down blues grungy kind of rock going on. Like it's a really cool cross pollination of genres and it's it's fantastic. So good stuff. Thanks, Thanks. Is that what okay? can is that what we can expect you know are you working on like a full length record i guess you know i know the world's like kind of shit right now but it's like yeah. you know i guess you kind of want to have a record to kind of go out on the road with at some point when touring comes back
1: Yeah well we, we uh we are are working on the record uh we're trying to get that wrapped up um and then uh also you know we got we got some cool stuff happening here man i can't i can't really announce anything yet there's a lot of exciting stuff happening right this moment I've got a lot of quick, great phone calls, and meetings happening right at this moment. So I, I'm soon to have some stuff out, for, some new stuff out for people. Uh, but you're just gonna have to sit and wait, maybe maybe for a few more weeks here, just to to know what's coming down the pike. But yeah, I'm really excited for the for the next stuff. Um, the record is, is shaping up to be um, a really great record, you know. And and for me, it feels like um, you know my my goal in life is always to create timeless music at some point or another. And I feel mm. like I've created. You know, done something that could be seen and accepted as, as a timeless record once it's heard. So I'm just excited for the stuff that's happening here. But we're, we're definitely looking at a release here in 2021 and hopefully in, in you know, the next six months or so.
0: So as an artist going into the studio and creating some original music, like, you know, and taking all those influences you yeah, had, do you go in and, rec- like, write everything on your own? Or are you collaborating with, like, a, like a Desmond Child or, like, a, you know, like a Diane Warren, kind of like an external songwriter to come in and help out with lyrics and, you know, melody? Or is it is it all you? And, like, do you have, like, you know, a Bob Rock or or a Mutt Lang, like, in studio? Like, who are you, who you working with?
1: Um, you know, I, I do I can't I can't expose those the people I'm working with just yet. Um hmm. but I, I do I take up a lot of the um um you know the the this Album is a collaboration of a lot, some of my original stuff that I personally just taken and written all of my own, helped and, and co-produced and, produ- and, and you know, put this uh, original work together. And then some of it, you know, just to get those extra flavors. What happens as a songwriter is you'll get into your head about your stuff, and your stuff will start to sound the same, you know, because you're, you're so right. in your head. So it, it's important to bring other cats with other experience and other tones and other approaches into the music to help round your stuff out. And what happens, and whenever you work with a songwriter like that, is that um, you, you'll start to take on some of their stuff, and they'll take on some of your stuff and all of a sudden you're more changing as a songwriter so um it was very important for me to work with some some heavy hitting songwriters on this record and uh so we've got some cats that really brought out some really cool tones and sounds and some approaches that i don't think i would have otherwise found on my own you know
0: right so i guess you've kind of discovered your sound then with these two singles that have come out you know this is this is kind of like the vibe and approach for the record
1: oh absolutely it's 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 part of the vibe and the approach to the record i don't know it's it's the record is is um it's surprisingly there's a, a big range of sounds to come out of the record but it's all based in in classic guitar rock you know what i mean so uh there is a wide range of tones that are going to come out of this record though um i definitely you know one of the things that helped me find my sound was an independent record that i did with barrett martin back in uh, 2017 worked on 2026 hmm. 2017 and um um and um i hadn't quite discovered my sound yet but barrett was barrett martin is the drummer from screaming trees in, uh, in mad season and uh but he he really brought me in. I mean, having the major label experience he had, he knew how to put together a major product, major produced record. But I had this indie yeah. budget, so we, we are teaching me this stuff on the indie budget, and I don't have a sound yet. So, but um, <laughs> he definitely helped me help me learn what it meant to put together a major record before I got signed to a major label. You know, and and so um, I think that that was a moment I really started to discover my sound. And then you know, back in, in years later, you know, I signed in, in twenty twenty. And, uh, and so, you know, three years after the fact, um, that's, it set me up for that moment. So I think I found my sound going into the record label yeah. uh, and, and it was a matter of figuring out, you know, songwriting wise, what else I wanted, how, how else I wanted to sound. You know?
0: Talk about being signed to John Varvatos records, because first all, I'm a big John Varvatos fan. I broke up my best John Varvatos today, so oh, yes. I've got my, scarf, got my jacket, everything. You know, talk about the process of going from just being Aaron Jones to being signed to you know John Ravedos records. Like that's that's pretty cool with Big Machine. You know, it's like to be like a you know bluesy rock driven guitar guy to being on one of the biggest country labels. Like it's <laughs> yeah, you know.
1: Man, yeah. country label with with a, a rock imprint. You know, so yeah, uh, it's 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 been you know I couldn't I could I don't think I could have found a, a more perfect place for my first major to be honest with you. Um, you know. Even though um, Big Machine itself is a major record label, it still has an indie sensibility to it, you know, and it allows artists to grow and 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 still, you know, even 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 though I've discovered, I feel like I discovered my sound, you know, even the, the input from the label has has even brought that even further it, to help me further discover what it was like to, to record a major record, help me further discover what it meant to to really put have something on the charts and and you know how to how to conduct myself within that. So, um, I couldn't I couldn't have found a better home, honestly. I mean, Scott Borchetta and John are two people that just really love music, you know, um, yeah, John especially is, is the, the who's who of rock and roll, man. I mean, the cat probably knows more people in rock and roll than anybody and <laughs> dresses them too. Yes. And he dresses them, right? <laughs> and that's what, and then, you know, of course you have Scott and he, his, his years of experience, uh, having worked with, you know, the industry's top artists, you know, so like that, you can't go wrong with that. And then I also have to give a shout out to my team over, over at Indigoot, um, and the experience there. So I, all in all, I have a great team of people from label on down to management on, on, on through and through, man, to agents and everything. Um, I, it's been a journey, man. You know, I was an independent musician and an independent artist up to this point. I was successful at it, you know, I was making some decent money and, Found myself doing some little indie indie tours, opening for some 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 of the biggest acts in rock and roll history. Man, I got to work with Randy. yeah, you know,
0: opening up for Guns and Roses and stuff. You know, it must. What's the biggest difference between going from playing, you know, the clubs as an indie artist to now being on a label and then, you know, kind of like opening up for Guns N' Roses and opening up for these major artists, you know, which in turn will eventually be you at some point, hopefully, when Tori comes back. But it's like, you know, talk to me about the difference, you know, just psychologically from from an artist standpoint, you know, being in the clubs and paying your dues and working your way up and being on a stadium stage and, you know, opening up for one of the biggest selling rock bands of all time.
1: Yeah. Well, so the, the way I look at it is like this. It's like, you know, especially if if you are are coming from the indie point, you know, from the, the indie per perspective, um, it, there's different ways to look at it, right? You can look at it and say, you know, I'm coming from this indie perspective and I'm just here at the clubs. Or you can look at it as I'm coming from an indie perspective with the idea of going to a major. And, and yeah. if you look at it, at it from that, from that perspective – Um, what ends up happening is like, you see glimpses of that as you, as you go, right? So you'll start out, you'll be in this little club over here, right? You'll be playing Mm for three hours at some piano bar, you know, down in Pirater Square.
0: Making five bucks off the door. Yeah,
1: five bucks off the door, a bunch of drunk cats. Everybody's having a good time. We're all drunk. Nobody's making money. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you'll see, you'll see, you know, you'll see glimpses of it though. You'll see all, all of a sudden you get a phone call. Hey, you know, you got a call to open up for BB King. So there's a glimpse of it there, you know, um, mm-hmm. even with the the, the guns and roses look like that was, even though that was our first time working with guns and roses, that was my second time on the main stage at the gorge, you know, and so, you know, so I, I'd seen glimpses of it. But but, you know, once you hit the, the stride, once you get to that point where you were just strictly that's strictly what you're doing, um, hopefully at that point, going from an indie musician to a major, um, you have become more accustomed to that. You know what I mean? So luckily, I've had some time to gradually get used to it. I, I will say the first few times I had an opportunity to open up for a bigger act. It definitely it wasn't always the, the best look. It didn't always pan out that well. Oh, you know, really? So it just takes practice like anything it takes practice man you know like i, I look back at some well, what happened
0: like, what you went on stage and you froze or like
1: yeah, you know, what happened don't freeze, but you know like little things like like oh you're not really thinking about your guitar tone but it's crap you know yeah. it's like, uh, you're yeah. not, you know, you not thinking about like nothing about your set list oh you missed a song you know like you know like little things like that so um you know i'd say 2017 was really what what helped shore all that up you know which was that um I went on a tour opening for, uh, we did a national tour with Theory of a Dead Man. And mm-hmm. the first half of that tour, we, we were the direct support act. And I think that is what really was like, dude, this is the level you need to perform at every single time. And that showed me up as an artist, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, and as a musician and got me ready for the main stage, man, got me ready for these big stages, so. That's
0: amazing, man. It's just so cool to be able to go and, you know, have those experiences and really hone your craft. And then by the time that you are, you know, on the main stage, you kind of are at that level where it's like you're just firing on all cylinders, you know?
1: Yeah, man. That's a uh, that's I I've heard uh, George Foreman say it once. I'm a big fan of boxing too, and he says you can't get into the ring if you ain't wet. You can't get in the ring if you ain't throwing <laughs> if he punches at first, you know. So <laughs> you definitely gotta gotta you know you can't just it's it's hard for artists. It's hard for anybody to to deal with extreme change, right? You can't you can't just go from hot to cold all of a sudden. No, you'll scatter. <laughs> It'll break. That's, you know?
0: Yeah. You can't just be thrown that's into the a bullpen like without any experience
1: exactly man oh let's bring out this cold this picture picture with a cold arm and see how he does it's not gonna work man <laughs> it's not it's not gonna work bro you know what I'm saying it's, it's, I don't care who you are you can't bring out your star oh yeah bring a star pitcher out here oh he no. hasn't warmed up yet oh he'll be fine you know, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you, know? you know but you know
0: what hey Depp Leppard's been playing with a one arm drummer since 1986 this is, so. <laughs> 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 this is true no excuses no excuses
1: <laughs> no excuses exactly
0: man exactly Talk about, talk about your guitar playing and your guitar tone for a second. So how are you getting those really cool, you know, like the guitar tones? Some of the souls, you know, you got like the uh, the octave on there. It's very, you know, Jack Whitey kind of sound, gritty, you know, blues rock tone. What's going on with the guitar rig? Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, man, I um I was so, you know, and I, when I'm speaking about like kind of opening for bigger acts and things like that, I, I've crossed paths a few times and uh, had opportunity to open up a few shows with Lucas Nelson, The Promise The Real. A few years back, and uh, I'll never forget, I got a chance to, to play Little Wing with Lucas on stage. Oh, wow. I always call Whiskey Jacks over here in the in the, in the the mountains of Idaho. I, for, I kind of forget what with, with the name was.
0: Whiskey of the, the Jacks. Place. Sounds like a good club.
1: Oh, it's it's a club. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, you know, it's, it's a surprisingly big music venue for, for how small the town is. Um, wow.
0: Well, so, it's a small town. You kind of got one good place. The other ones are yeah, it's, crap. It's,
1: and it's, and it's, it's a ski town, so it's a bunch of rich cats come through and get wasted yeah. and like if you come from a small town, you've
0: either got like, you know, your your like good club and then you got like the Legion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. And so um so um I remember this is specifically happening. So mind you, I, I played the bars and the clubs here in Seattle. So my I never really paid much attention to my guitar tone. It was just to get out there and make sure the guitar works and you know Yeah,
0: but when you're going out and playing a show with like somebody like Slash, it's kinda like, oh, I better up my I walk
1: exactly, in a little bit. exactly, man. So I, I hope so open it for uh, for Lucas. I, I picked up this tip tip from his gu- uh, guitar tech, and that he was using um, stereo amps when we were on stage. And I was like, my tone couldn't even come close to what he was doing. So he was yeah. using stereo. He was using stereo amplifiers going through him at the same time. And that's uh, that was the moment I decided that I would never be on stage without using stereo amps or some or some variation of that, you know, martial Stack or whatever it has to
0: be. Yeah, and especially as, you know, a three-piece band, you know, just you as the sole guitar player. And you were talking about how you're trying to fill the sound, playing the chord and, you know, solo at the same time. If you're using a, a stereo setup, it just helps to fill up the spectrum oh, so much.
1: Huge it makes and, you and that- fatter and... That was the, and that, and so for me, once I, that, that was a big part of discovering my sound was when I found that, that, um, you know, going stereo through the amp is what makes it, makes a bigger sound and creates all these harmonics and different things that you normally, yeah. that, that's what really helped me define find my sound, you know? So I'm, I'm a pure pure believer in that, that, that your tone comes in from your hands first. And if it, if it can't come from your hands, it doesn't matter if you have a distortion pedal on or the octave pedal or whatever, you know? So, um. I um, it's just that the years years of playing that stereo setup, man, and then you know just being unhinged as well, man. I I mean like you know one of the things I love about about the those old grunge records is that they just they, they sound so sloppy, but but it's done in such a, a really particular way. They sound sloppy, but they're very very formulaic, you know. Yeah. And so. I, I love distortion. I love feedback. I use all these things in my music and in my sound to create this sense of angst and urgency um, all, all while still, you know, maintaining this respect for, for the old blues guitar players and for the old rock guitar players and all that, man. So my tone is really, um, it's just based off of that, man. I don't know. I, I really based my everything off the Seattle sound and trying to be a continuation of that and different generations yeah. of that, you know?
0: Well, I mean, Dude, as a guy coming from Seattle, I'm surprised you're not being produced by Butch Vig
1: and on Sub Pop at this point. (laughs) Yeah, man. Steve Albini drums, man. Come on. (laughs) Ironically enough, man, my my second independent record was mixed uh, by Jack and Dino, ironically enough. Oh, that's cool. Yeah,
0: man. Yeah. That was a good sound for sure.
1: Oh, it was great, man. It was it was a great sound, and 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 you know, like I said, and that was just the beginning. I mean, that was just me discovering my sound, so I couldn't even imagine now what that would sound like. You know, maybe that, that's a, I maybe that's a conversation piece <laughs> right there. You know, maybe well, I should that,
0: think about that. Yeah, dude, you got to have these talking points. Next interview, have them ready.
1: All right, I'll, I'll make sure to I'm helping time. you out. I'm coaching. <laughs>
0: Thanks. These are the questions. <laughs> awesome, man. Oh, well, this is really cool. It's great to talk to you. If you grabbed your guitar right now, what's the first lick you play?
1: um i always go to this like this inverted harmonic thing i do man like uh inverted uh, e major thing i always do it's really beautiful um it's like going to uh, an e going to an e major from the, that e major bar chord on the seventh fret and then you invert the uh you invert the um the bass note and you and you go up to e f it would go to, to the, the g <laughs> you know and then, but you're still holding the go i'm sorry it's a it's a whole i can show you more than i can hear oh yeah sure grab grab an axe Right now I'm, I'm,
0: uh Oh, beautiful sorry. strat.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. So, I would go go here, and I'm not sure if you can hear that too well, but so yeah, Hendrix, would... so Hendrix. That's that's normally what I what I what I go to. I feel like the whole, especially if we're, when you're in standard tuning, the whole guitar just is centered around that little piece right there, and you can
0: from right. that you can go
1: you can go minor. That's not a regular representation,
0: mm-hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> tasty, sounds so tasty, man. Yeah, I just love those, you know, down south blues kind of licks, you know. Absolutely,
1: they... man. So that, that's typically what, what I stick to, but you know, I I cover everything, man. I mean, you know, like years of doing covers and in an opening and playing playing with other bands, and you know, I my first experience with them, anything major was was uh, working in two thousand eleven. Before I did anything, I was still working the clubs. Yeah. Um, I I got called to come and play with this group called Deep Cotton who was associated with Wonderland. Wonderland is, is Janelle Monáe's label. Okay. And so I, my first my first tour was on a bus opening for Janelle Monáe, you know, with this with this wow, this, this rhythm guitar player for this punk group out of Atlanta, man. So Damn. Just insane. Yeah, and so so you know, like like when um Not so many tales,
0: dude. It's like
1: geez. It's, it's a, I've had I've had probably one of the more interesting I mean I'm a very It's an I, interesting I, I career. Yeah, it's been an interesting career, man. I I try to, I'm a pretty private person, especially because, you know, I I got kids and I got a wife and a family and like, yeah, and especially in these troubled times, man, I, I, first of all, I don't think it's very fair to to expose my kids to that level of of fame and and exposure uh, without, without their, their knowledge of what, what I'm putting them into. So if they're 13, 14 years old, they're like, Hey dad, I want to be on all your stuff. Okay, cool. That's your decision. Now you can actually make that decision, but so, but I, but I, I kind of realized recently in that though, in, in that that privacy and that mystery that I've created about myself, there are all these stories that are untold now that that uh, throughout the music industry, um, from working with Chris Ballou to, to to conversations with Run DMC and 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 mm-hmm. Professor uh, Professor Griff from uh, from Public Enemy, and you know having worked with. Um, you know, Lost Lonely Boys, man. I I worked with Lonely uh, Boys. Jeez. Yeah, I worked with Living Color. Uh, I've worked, you know, I've worked with all all, all these bands. And this is just as, a, as an independent artist before I got signed. So I've I've been around the block for a minute before I got signed to a major. And now here we are, you know. And I'm I'm still sitting at uh, I think I'm sitting at top five here right now on Billboard and Yeah. And media base right now, you know. And so it's it's just been a an, an interesting ride to say the least, you know. But I'm I'm just happy to be here, and and, and I'm finally happy to be able to share some of these stories, you know.
0: Well, it's awesome, man. And you know, twenty twenty one. Hopefully, we'll get back on the road. Maybe the vaccine will make a dent, and uh, you know, we'll get we'll get back doing some gigs. You know, how I did think you
1: that's, that's anticipated? Yeah,
0: yeah. Did, did you did you have like a big tour plan? Like, were you like, was twenty twenty gonna be a big year for you on the road?
1: I'll, I'll put it this way, man. I as big as um, as it got with with just the radio single, man. I think it could have gotten even bigger had had we been able to tour. And
0: because had my, you been able to.
1: Yeah, the bread and butter for me has always been the live show. The live show is where where people are really making an impact, you know, and and uh, so for me it's always been about trying to figure out how to take that live energy and put it on a record. Which mm-hmm. takes years of, uh, of of studying music and understanding like like the different tricks of the trade and, and who did what to help help create that that tone and that sound and, and to create that live feel experience you know so um, I think that if had had 2020 been open though I I just signed a big new agent and and we were, we were we were rocking and rolling man I think we were ready to really really blow this thing up but yeah COVID hit and and, and plans changed but you know there's a lot to be said about the fact that even though the plans have changed um, I'm still sitting here at the top of the charts man and, and we're, we're we made it a lasting Impact in the music industry, so yeah. To continue that, hopefully that that trend continues with with the next few releases here too. So,
0: well, dude, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with you now that you're signing everything, getting you know mainstream exposure. Because it's like you know, there's not a lot of guitar players that are getting attention, and I like it when guitar players get attention.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, I I think that that was it's it's important too. I I've been missing a lot of guitar rock, you know, and I, I actually you know regardless of what people think about it man i know i know a lot of cats especially in the in the, the purest of rock and roll are really not nice. too happy about miley cyrus and uh. cats like- MG, MGK getting to yeah, the Yeah, but topic. you
0: know what? Those are all the same guys complaining about Ace and Peter not being in Kiss. So it's <laughs> fun, that's so
1: funny. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true, man. And, and so, you know, would you. Would you... <laughs> that's so funny. But it's uh, true,
0: you know? I just interviewed true. Gene Simmons last month and we were talking about that. And I was saying, we were talking about, you know, like critics and stuff. And I was like, yeah, but Gene, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same guys that are still pissed about Ace and Peter. And he's like, you're absolutely right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, you know, that's the great thing about, about life, life is like a menu there's things that you like to order and there's things that I look at, I'm like, blah, that's disgusting, why would you eat that? Right. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> just so classic gene, you know but, that's but so think, true, you know, like you said, you know there's the purest and then there's the realist and I'm just a fan, like I don't see genre I just hear music and if I hear something you know, you look at Miley Cyrus's album that came out it's so rock, it's so pop, it's so country it's oh, just
1: it's music horrible man i love it you know know? i really do love it man i love it and and it's and just the fact you know and the but regardless of how anybody feels about that these people have opened the door for guitar rock to come back man you know and and so i feel like it's a really good time for me to come come into the door and and bring my 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 version of that guitar sound in 2020 man and and like that's gonna be really important i think for a lot of people man i and i know how how for me, um, you know, just coming up and, and some of the, the stories told and, and take me away. But for me, just just coming up and, and kind of going through what I did. Qatar was so important in getting me to this point in my life, you know, and uh, not to get too political. But, you know, just being a black American in this country, regardless of what people think about it, my experience as a black American and plenty of other people's experiences as, as Americans and people of color in this country. It's a lot of yeah. hardships to overcome all the things that, that may be invisible to people that, that we have to deal with. You know, and so guitar was was they were that was my wings of freedom, man. And I knew that like if I put my head down and put everything I had, my emotions, my feelings, into this obsession of mine, that it was going to take me to new heights, and I was going to recreate a name from not just myself but for my family, and hopefully inspire others to do the same. And I'm at this point now, this precipice to which which I can do that. You know, so that that's what's really important to me right now.
0: Well, listen, man, you have said it all. <laughs> This is uh this is really cool. I can't wait for the album to come out. So check out the two singles right now. Take me away, Boys from Puget Sound on uh, Big Machine, John Vavitos Records. Aaron Jones, big album coming out this year. Catch him on the road. Are you gonna be headlining if the if the tour goes the to pl- goes as planned? Or are you gonna be on some big
1: support slot? Uh, you know, I I don't know yet, man. I I think there's a little bit of conversation with the support slot, and I think there's been some 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 things thrown around about about perhaps maybe maybe headlining some stuff, but. You know, all in all we're not really going to know until things start opening back up and i think right now yeah the music, industry, the music industry is setting up for late summer early fall so we'll, we'll have to see we get squeezed in before the end of the year man you know
0: yeah well dude i'm looking forward to seeing you live because there's that t- your your kind of music your guitar music it it sounds great on the record but there's nothing that beats that live vibe and feeling you know just being in that room and hearing that like you said that stereo guitar sound just hitting you in the chest. Oh,
1: Hitting you in the face, man. It's it's my sound. You know, I'm a big fan of hip hop too, especially with the West West Coast hip hop, old school West Coast hip hop. Man, like that sound. The bass tone is like everything to me. So, like, yeah. listen to the to my new record, you're really gonna notice that the, those tones are kind of are brought out in, in a very subtle way to 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 nod to to my my affiliation or my uh, appreciation and affinity for hip hop.
0: Oh, it's so great, man. Well, yeah. it was so great to chat with you, and it's so great to meet you, man. This is really cool. We'll have to meet in person at some point.
1: Oh, we, we, we definitely will. You know, as long as the world doesn't end. Whatever. You
0: know, where it comes first. <laughs> right. Trump's out of office. The vaccine's rolling out. I we're think a- we're hey, we'll the to We'll get there. Comet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the Earth just opens up. And opens
1: just, and crashes right. down the middle. <laughs> okay, well, you know. The aliens, are finally coming to save us. Did you? Did you? Okay. So speaking of that, do you know that we're supposed to be told about aliens in the next six months?
0: Yeah, I saw that like on Facebook or Twitter, and I was like, okay, but this isn't news. Like we know they're real. Like
1: we know they're it's, there. It's, it's the first time in a, in a in a package, a, con- a congressional package, that they told they they told the government that they have to tell the people about aliens, bro. So like. It's it's in the it's in the stimulus package that the next six months that they, that Congress has to be briefed on aliens and they're gonna basically disclose this to the public. We'll see what happens. They're probably just gonna be like, yeah, you know, aliens, whatever. So we decided to, to build this space wall so they don't come in and try to take our freedom.
0: Yeah, yeah. we'll have Trump on TV like, you know, ET, he tried to come, he didn't have papers, and not let him in. <laughs> oh my
1: god. Oh my god. I'm, I'm Force. I commanded the space force to build a wall in space.
0: <laughs> we built the most beautiful wall from Mars to home. <laughs> it's the Trump Hotel and Wall Casino. <laughs> oh,
1: too great! I had man. to borrow money
0: from the folks on Jupiter, but that's
1: okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Jupiter's gonna pay for it. Oh my God!
0: What do you think they're gonna say in that package? What do you, do you think they're gonna say? Okay, listen, guys. There's aliens. We've been hiding it. It's true. We don't have a plan. They are going to come and invade us at some point. They're actually running the whole show right now behind the scenes. Like, what I, do you what do you think, think is going to
1: happen? What I think is going to happen. I I think what they're going to say. Well, first of all, if you're a transdimensional being, I don't know what the hell you're going to want from the planet Earth.
0: <laughs> well, no, they, it's it. you,
1: can, you can fold space and time and travel across the galaxy. I'm not really sure we have much to offer you or there. to other galaxies. Yeah, I think so here's 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 what what I'm thinking this is just based on what that dude from Israel, the, the high up dude from Israel just said, based on some other documentary. And, he, and he's also, you know, as I say as I say with a grain of salt, because these are also things that have been thrown around the the, the alien conspiracy theorists were and I am you know, I know a lot of people are tired of conspiracy theorists at this point. <laughs> it's been thrown around the <laughs> right. It's been thrown around the, the alien community, a conspiracy theorist community for a while that Um, that the federal government has known for a long time that aliens exist and there's a federation of planets and a federation of interdimensional travelers Right. Um, and, and that they have been waiting for us to come to a certain understanding to allow us into this federation. Um, but they have some sort of deal with the governments of the world to make sure that, 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 that this information isn't disclosed until the public is ready to, re- to receive it. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I, if I had to guess, I would I would guess along something of, of those lines. I mean, like, that sounds like a logical thing. Like, oh, cool. Transmissional space beings think, think that the, 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 the Earth apes aren't ready to uh, to learn about space.
0: Got it. A <laughs> superior, unadvanced race that is Earthlings. <laughs> We're just so unadvanced compared to you know, aliens come down here, look at our iPhone. They're like, "What is this?"
1: <laughs> you guys will not just do this thing. You don't, you you
0: don't mean, just like talk to each other like three or like. No. You know?
1: <laughs> what about aliens? So, you're
0: into aliens, right? So it's like, are are you into like paranormal stuff too, or?
1: Um, I'm I'm less into paranormal stuff these days. I you know I was I, at one point in my life, I definitely went down the rabbit hole. Mushrooms and conspiracy theories, you know. that have been here, you know. But but I, I um, I'm less of a conspiracy theorist these days, and I'm more of a um, I'm not, I can't even just say realist, because even even realist just means that I, I'm just. Yeah,
0: what, but what does say. that mean to be a realist? Like, if there's proof of something, you can't you you, you can't. You,
1: you exactly. You know? I don't. I don't lie, but I, I definitely believe that there are dimensional things that we don't understand, and that, that I think that's very obvious. I think anybody yeah. in the science community and anywhere could tell you that. Um, I don't necessarily believe in the paranormal. The paranormal just means that we can't explain. it. I mean, you know, a, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, if you were like, you know, you brought a cell phone to or made a phone call to somebody two thousand years ago, they'd be like, oh, it's paranormal. <laughs> it's just, right. That's it. Just, a science you don't quite understand yet so i i, oh, think I say that,
0: paranormal it's like you know have you ever been visited by a past loved one in a dream or like stuff like yeah.
1: that yeah i smoke weed in, in, in my dreams with loved ones all the time <laughs> hey man you good you dead still oh you dead all right
0: <laughs> i'm watching what's going on down there man not looking good
1: it's not looking great man hey man shh, you got it <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh my god uh, I, I um you know um I I do believe that that there are interdimensional I think that we as beings are are transdimensional I think that we are there's multidimensional dimensions to us especially when it pertains to consciousness um, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that um, energy is something that it can be manipulated through um, if you have a certain understanding of the universe and certain mm-hmm. understanding of these tools I mean if you look at um, every every pretty much scripture and spiritual book um, has its own version of the story but that's it. Are, are very specific things in these books that, that pertain to all the books, you know? And yeah. so there are, well, listen,
0: there's, there's a God and there's an afterlife in every yeah. story you listen to. And we all came from somewhere. So,
1: mm-hmm. and there's a way, there's a way to utilize the universe as a way to ask for the universe's help as a way to do all these things. These are, these are all tools yeah. that we've been given. And I think that if there, if you can understand, like for me, I, I understand that, that this is my understanding of it is that. Everything is frequency. Everything is vibration. And if that that you can tap into those understandings of those vibrations, those frequencies, there's nothing that you can't do or accomplish for yourself. Whether it be good for the good or for the bad, you know. And so yeah, um, I think that someone, for instance, like Donald Trump has has a, a, a whether he has a constant understanding of it or not, he he understands something about the, these these energies and these powers that he knows how to possess. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for myself, even I mean, like I said, I, coming from the the hardships of of just being. A black American, regardless of whatever people think about that, um, I my, in my experience, it's like you, you gotta believe in a little bit of magic to get through, man, because you, the cards are stacked yep. against you, you,
0: know. Well, that's it, you know, as you know, for myself as an in, as an indigenous person, you know, growing up Mohawk on a reservation just outside of M- Montreal in Canada. You know, it's like our people are constantly faced with that struggle of like, you know, do we believe and trust the government or do we continue to follow our ways and, you know, trust our own intuitions and our people? You know, you look at what's going on down south, you know, right now with the coronavirus pandemic, there's reservations in, you know, in Dakota, you know, like the suit, the um, the uh, oh, which uh, God, the uh, Navajo Nation out there, they're just being decimated by the pandemic. But the governors and like the government's not doing anything about it because uh, the Indians, they can do their thing. You know, they want to self-govern. Well, then they they can take care of themselves. But then you have first language speakers and elders just dying left and right, which in turn is kind of decimating the culture. Yeah. And the people it's like and, you know, not to have that. So what. As, as Indigenous people, you know, we believe in the spirit world and the creators put us here and we believe in the connection with the spirit world and our ancestors and they're going to give us and guide us through the struggles that we're going through. And so it, it makes sense, like you said, you know, to have, believe in that sort of stronger being out there.
1: Yeah, you know, I and I, I, um, I have you know ties to to my own history in, in Native America too, and and um, you know, my my dad, you know, we don't know much about him. But we do know that his his mom was was full on Native American. She was from the really, Coast. yeah. And his dad was black. His mom was full on Native American, and we know. I just found out recently that. <clears throat> On my mom's side of the family, our our tree splits, and one side, you know, if you fall one side, it goes, it goes, it just falls into slavery. And this other side also kind of falls into slavery, but in a really interesting way. Um, so my family, I'm a descendant of the Muscogee Creek people, of uh, wow. of Oklahoma, and uh, and so um, what happened? A lot of people don't realize this, but that there was because of the infighting within the Native nations, uh, some of the Native nations actually fought on the side of the Confederacy during the Civil War. Uh, and they owned slaves. And so uh, with that with that came um, after the Civil War was over, they were forced to to give their slaves um, membership into the tribe. and so the, for for generations, you know you had black Americans that were growing up on these reservations. They spoke, they spoke the native tongue, they spoke all of that. And then in, in the nineteen, I think seventy nine, they created this dolls rule that said that you had to be a certain percentage in order to receive a, a blood. To receive, you know, which was basically just a way to just to excommunicate anyone who was was not
0: communicate people that are using the rights, you know. Yes, it's the same exactly. thing over here. You know, in uh, in Canada, we for the longest time there was this rule of it was a blood quantum rule, and you had to have you know, a certain amount of blood, but it didn't actually you know get a blood test. Like you had to look at your family tree and say, Okay, you had in my community, for example, we have you have to have the four great grandparents to meet criteria to be a part of our community and part a part of our um. The Gunnawaga haga Registry, as they call it.
1: Oh, you guys are writing this down for me, dog. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. Dude, my, my town, we, we have a rule. It's called Marry Out, Get Out. And the whole thing, <laughs> if you marry like a non-native person, you, you get excommunicated from our community. It's the most racist shit like ever.
1: Oh, my God, Dude, that's terrible. I, You know, and like that's what I'm saying. So this is, you know, I have really like the crazy. extremist,
0: right? Like in every community, in every culture, you have them.
1: So, oh, absolutely. I, I, I saw a documentary recently about Hindu extremists that, that if if they're you're saw seen eating a cow or doing something, abusing a cow in some kind of way, that they would literally kill you. And these are and this is these are these are these are fascist Hindis, man. You know what I'm saying? And and so I every every culture is gonna extremism is not tied to one color or another, it's tied to every single culture, every single being, every single person can, can yeah. be extreme. You gotta have the dark side of the forest, you have the light side of the forest. Either one can take you over at any time, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, I had a reckoning with a lot of that. I mean, just being an American in this country and and just kind of knowing that, that I came from like, my my ancestors fought for the Confederacy. I have ancestors that fought for the Confederacy. I have ancestors that fought for the union. And here and here I am a descendant of, of, of all these factions in America. You know what I mean? And so it, crazy. I had a reckoning about that, man, which is like, I realized that like, as much as as, as we tried to, to look, I, I think we've been looking at the wrong problem for a long time. Color is definitely an issue. Uh, in America, it is an issue because th- this this country was founded on the idea that 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 color was somehow supposed to um, be an indicator to your wealth, to who you are as a person, and all these stereotypes that come with with being a color. I mean, you got to remember, at some point in America, there were white slaves. At some point in America, there were and um, indig- in, in, indentured servants, and all these people that had pretty much the same status as slaves. Yeah. And this country didn't want to see those, those people join together. This is why we had we had things like uh, in the 1920s when they outlawed. Think about this, bro. They outlawed weed in America. It wasn't because it, they they knew it wasn't a dangerous drug. They outlawed weed because white kids were going to jazz clubs and smoking weed with black musicians. Holler, <laughs> you like, know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, right. well, you know, it's like it's 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 been a racist country ever since you know the, the you know the colonizers showed up here and thought a we were Indians. But <laughs> India, okay
1: right how like, can you be indians and then the indians be indians and the west indies are indians too it, it's so fucked up and then like uh you
0: know talking about <laughs> what was i gonna say about the about that and uh about the wheat? oh another example okay i'll give you an example of that tobacco is a traditional native american product that was ours. Right. we introduced it to the uh to everybody that came over here but now in canada for example um They criminalize native tobacco because we don't pay taxes on it. So now our product that we gave to them, we are now criminalized for. So if you come to my native reservation, you know, we got smoke shops, you know, all along down our main highways. And 90% of our clientele are non-natives that come into the reservation and support local business. But it's, it's not illegal for us to sell it to you. It's illegal for you to buy it because you're not paying taxes, and in turn, us not remitting the tax to the government, henceforth illegal. You're oh, cheating wow. the government out of tax, tax fraud. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's it's crazy, it's, crazy,
0: it's crazy shit, crazy. dude. Man. Talking about slaves and all that. You know, my people. I, I live with my my grandparents. They're first language speaking Mohawks. They were both victims of residential schools. Do you do you do you know yeah, anything about know residential, that
1: residential schools? schools, man? Yeah, yeah. that's too
0: and dude, those were exist. They, the last one closed in like ninety-three or ninety-four in Canada. That's
1: it was <laughs> it was like, lovely, I,
0: I, it was ethnic cleansing right up until the nineties. They would literally ship natives up north to these schools run by the Catholic Church in turn with the government of Canada, and they would essentially a- beat the Indian out of you. There's so many unaccounted for missing and murdered indigenous children from all those years with no paperwork to prove, just ripped from homes. And well, I, remember,
1: the, I, I remember Trudeau crying about it, bro. And I I remember having mixed feelings about that. I was like, "What are you crying about, bro? Yeah, like, what are you, yeah. you know, what are you what are you doing? Like, you're sitting here crying over this thing as you stand and represent the the very government that that cast actions. Now you just apologize for it. And it, I have mixed yeah. feelings. I remember it's, that. I do.
0: Yeah. So it's like, and you uh, know, what does the, what does the apology do? Okay, well, actually, do something about it. You know, give, give us our rights
1: back. Man. You know, it's it's a lot of pomp and circumstance when it comes to government, man. And we we all know that. But like, that's the thing, man. It's like we are all it, puppets. It, 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 yeah, if you learn the if you learn the government's game, man, you can be successful with anything. I mean, I think a lot of the the music world, especially as as a performance artist, bro, like a, you, you can take a lot of that. They, that's what these guys are. I mean, they're yeah. they're 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 performance artists, man. Like that's what they do on a daily basis. They get up there to speak in front of the public. It's show Go do another. It's a show. It's all show business.
0: Man, Mitch McConnell's know? like the Madonna of the Republican Party.
1: He sure is, bro. I, you know, and I can't <laughs> hate him for that. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't. I, I'm not, I don't like his policies. The guy probably has some some ideas I don't I don't agree with. I probably wouldn't just go like hang out with him. And I don't know. I don't even know to be honest with you. Because I bet you this anything. I bet you you sat with Mr. McConnell and be like, Mr. McConnell's kind of a tight guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, that's it, right? You no, know, on TV, he's kind of a shitty <laughs> TV, but This guy's all right, man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's hard oh. to say because you just don't know, man. I, I've met plenty of people, you know. I, I've traveled this country before Trump came into office, even when he was while he was in office, bro, I traveled all over this country, man. I met people from different walks of life. I I, I was there during the Blue Live Matter thing, the BLM thing. I saw yeah. And you would look at on TV and be like, that guy's a fucking dick, you know. And then you sit with him and be like, Wow, man, this guy's all right. He's okay. You know, yeah, okay. how come you don't portray that character on TV though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you you sit there and you realize, like, man, like, like everybody. We need to have more, more. you know, I, we need to have this, this coming together moment where we realize that, like, maybe we're not as different as we keep portraying ourselves to be. Yeah. And the further isolation of ourselves is what's creating more of these disbeliefs in each other. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, uh, and so I, I just, I love, honestly, to be honest with you, I love conservative parts of the country. Um, I don't agree with any conservative policies. I don't agree with any of that crap. I, I am a. a well, I'm it's a, like anything uh, else. Some are good, some are bad. It is what right. it is. Right. I and I'm a minority in America. I'm those policies don't they don't serve me. I don't think they really serve the country. I, I vehemently disagree with that. I I, I you know disavow and, and denounce any any form of racism, white supremacy or whatever. But but mm-hmm. at the same time I can say that there's something really special about being able to, to roll into a small town, play a show and then sit at the bar and talk with the local cats, you know, about, about just the, their way of life man you know what i mean, mm-hmm. I mean it's so special to be able to do that just i mean i live in the city i live here i'm right here in, in seattle washington man that right in the, in, the, in the heart of the city and to be able to go to a small town like winthrop washington or to be able to be, to be in some small town in idaho or, or, or montana man it's like it's very special man um yeah and, and it, it has there's something so american about that to me you know and where it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, think that white supremacy is a separate issue of of rural versus the city. You know what I'm saying? And and that's we're having this reckoning right now with white supremacy. That that has needed to happen for a long time, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it's honestly a threat to to everyone's well-being. They want to change your way of life. They want you to be to to fit in into this idea that that you know superior. There's some sort of superiority complex, and I think it's just high time that that you know. We just kind of we nip it in the butt man you know what i'm trying to say we nip it in the butt and say like it's it's, it's over it's done let's move forward yeah. we're always gonna these these ideas of racism aren't gonna change right that's not gonna change man yeah. these, this is this is an idea it's always gonna be racist always me it, it's it's been a thing since the beginning of fucking time <laughs> Absolutely Find ways to make ourselves be different from them Whether it be from eye color I mean, you saw, uh, what's your name? I, it's Jane something, Jane Elliott, right? Jane Elliott does, does this experiment Where she has the blue-eyed people And the green-eyed people And these are white people going at it, man They're like, how could you treat the green-eyed people this way And the blue-eyed people I don't like the way you're treating me It seems unfair Welcome to racism <laughs> Welcome to racism, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my yeah. God but, but the, if, it, if it wasn't for skin color, it would be that. If it wasn't for that, it would be hair. If it wasn't for these people, it would be height. It would, we'd find something, some reason, some ism to, to separate ourselves. These things are always oh going to happen. My is bigger than yours. Yeah. Ah! It swings okay. to the left. Yours swings oh, to the right. How you know? dare you? How dare you? It's pointing <laughs> up. <laughs> You know, we're going to find some reason. But I think I think that, that if we're going to continue a society that, that in which we all can have an opportunity to prosper and thrive, man, we're just going to we're going to need to just decide that something just should not be here. And no. I think the idea of white supremacy just has to go, man. And, and, and it doesn't I don't care if that means that you're going to love me or hate me for that. Um, I, I want you to be successful. I want anybody, all people of color to be successful. I, I know that this idea that that one person is, is better or superior to another person um, is it only. It makes your country weak, it makes your people weak, and it, and it doesn't, it makes you broke too, by the way. That makes people, I mean, when, you, when people yeah. aren't accepting money, it makes you broke, man. You know, if you wanna see an economy thrive, just be cool, baby, be cool. And this is why I, I'm so happy weed is is on the way. I mean, it, you know, earlier this year, House of Representatives in America, uh, I, um, they signed a bill to send up to the Senate about um, legalize, federally legalizing weed. Right now that the Democrats have have a minority, you know, majority control of the Senate, just a fraction of the majority of control in the Senate, um, there's a good chance weed is going to become a federally legal product in America, and yeah. I don't think that people realize what that's going to do for this country. I really don't. I don't think because if there's one thing that we can all agree upon is that weed is awesome. <laughs> weed, <laughs> you know, weed good. Weed's good. Weed's good. Yeah. Weed is awesome, and I think that we. And, and I think once once that happens, I think that. Um, and mind you, just like like I said earlier, they outlawed weed so that white kids and black kids wouldn't hang out together and listen to music and smoke weed. <laughs> there you go. Enough said, right? this <laughs> legislation, legalize weed, and racism, and and racism, legalize weed, smoke with your homies. There you go. That's what it is, man. And bang, have lots of sex. <laughs> weed, <laughs> sex, music. There you go that's another thing and here's another thing that you have to understand about 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 anyone who, who is this idea why I mean, people like to bang man you know people like to bang people that look different from them that's yes. okay you know, I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> you know I'm that's why you and, got all these
0: like weird-ass fetishes you know you got like <laughs> it, there's so many different things it's like yeah interracial
1: like dwarfism porn you know I mean? yeah interracial
0: <laughs> dwarfism pregnant babysitter porn <laughs> so specific everything's so specific now <laughs> thank you pornhub you know <laughs> oh
1: man yeah
0: well this conversation was awesome man uh yeah, we, we totally went longer than i was expecting this is great <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> all right <laughs> Well, check Boy, out the songs. Talk, go, go support the man. Go follow him on his, all his stuff, and uh you know, s- smoke some weed in his honor. Go listen smoke to his tunes. Go smoke some weed. Yo, smoke some we- so we- get high. Go fuck and listen to his tunes thank while you, you do it.
1: Thank you. I, he, this guy got. It. He got. He gets it. <laughs> he gets it, man. <laughs> this guy gets it, man. Listen to rock and roll. Smoke weed and have sex. There it is. Enough said. Boom. There right, <laughs> it is. There you go. All right, yeah. man.
0: Well, we'll talk with you, buddy. great talk with you, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Yeah, man. Absolutely.
1: All right. See you later. Bye. Bye
0: jeremy white podcast tuesdays at 12 p.m eastern 9 a.m pacific available wherever you get your podcasts The Jeremy White
1: Podcast
0: with Bustan for the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal. It's got to be Bustan. Visit Bustan.ca
1: and LoudTracks.com,
0: helping fans connect to their favorite artists. 100% high quality, officially licensed band merchandise that supports the artists you love. Visit our official band merch store at LoudTracks.com. Watch the Jeremy White podcast exclusively on YouTube.